Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 13 of Kindled. Today, I am talking with Gloria Furman. Gloria is an author and writes for several websites, including the Gospel Coalition and Desiring God and some others. She is a mother of four and a pastor's wife, and they live overseas in Dubai, where they have lived for 10 years, and they pastor a church there. I was really excited to talk with Gloria because she's an author of lots of books that are really amazing and just filled with truth, Um, but also because I was just excited to learn from someone who has so much wisdom, and you really sense that it is flowing out of her when you're talking with her, especially when it's 11.15 at night and you're barely able to form actual sentences. Yes, uh, my vanity does force me to give a little bit of a disclaimer for this episode because it was 11 o'clock at night when I interviewed her, my time. It was 8.15 in the morning, her time. And you will probably be able to tell that I sound a little tired and struggled to form coherent thought in this interview. So I do apologize for that, but I don't think you're going to mind one bit because what Gloria has to share with moms and the truth that she Um, has just spilling out of her is really beautiful and straight from the Lord. So I'm excited to share it with you. However, before I get to that, there's one more thing I'm going to mention. So if you heard last week's episode, you heard me talk about the Busy Moms Business Quick Start course. It is a 60-day course that teaches you the what and the how of starting and growing a business. It's developed specifically for moms with full hands and little free time. You do not have to be a mom to take this course. It's just perfect for moms or other busy ladies who don't have time to mess around learning everything on their own. Think of it this way. If we met for coffee every week for 60 days and you asked me what you really needed to know to start that business you've been dreaming about, this is what I would teach you. So I've taken my seven years of experience and success I've found as a work from home mom and entrepreneur and I'm teaching it in this course. It's all online. There will be self-directed lessons that you do online and then a private Facebook group. And if you sign up by May 11th as a pilot member, you will get live group coaching calls as well. So you may be wondering, who is this course for? Who is who is a good fit? Number one, if you're a new mom heading back to a nine to five soon and panicking a little bit about what life is going to look like or wondering if there's another way you could help make ends meet besides expensive full-time daycare and all day in the office, this is for you. 
If you're a stay-at-home mom who needs a break and to rediscover pieces of yourself that have gone dormant since having babies or things that you haven't explored in a while, this is for you. If you're a working mom who needs an outlet for your creativity and passions outside your full-time job and you want to start a little side hustle, this is for you. Any woman looking to contribute to her family financially and build a business that can benefit her family and her soul by doing something she loves, this is also for you. So if you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen me mention in my stories that I way undervalued and underpriced this presale. So my fault, my loss, that's okay. I'm not going to go back on the price I set. I'm just keeping it at 150 through May 11th, but I am not promising you that it's going to be near that price afterwards. So what that means is if you think this is a good fit for you, you have about three and a half weeks left to make a decision and get in at this low rate. All the info you need is at HaleyWilliams.co, so you can go register for the course and get anything else you need. Thanks so much for listening, and here is my interview with Gloria. Why don't you start off by just kind of telling everyone who you are and anyone that hasn't heard of you, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, um, my name's Gloria. Uh, I live in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, with my family. We have four kids from 11 down to four. Uh, My husband is a pastor of the church that he helped start plant called Redeemer Church of Dubai. Um, I think I drink a lot of coffee, talk to a lot of people. (laughs) Yes. Also drink a lot of coffee. Excellent. (laughs) So how long have you guys been living in Dubai? Uh, this August will be 10 years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it had been that long. I did. Time's flying. <laughs> that is crazy. So what is like, what is it like having been there 10 years now? I mean, does it feel, do you feel totally integrated into culture and society there? Or does it, are there still yeah. aspects that feel foreign? Oh yeah. 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 So Uh, It's different for all of us. Um, The children, this is all they know, really. Uh, The three of them were born here when our oldest was a baby. That's when we we moved here. So this is is really all the kids know. Um, They experience their culture shock whenever we travel um, or visit the United States. (laughs) They think America is a wild and wonderful country um, full of surprises and um, culture shock. Mm -hmm. Um, Living here... Uh, we live in a diverse global city. Um, there are, I, I think the last count was 200 something nationalities, um, in this city, uh, in our church, there's over 60 nationalities. Wow. Um, so to think of learning a culture, uh, it's really hard for us to wrap our minds around that. And I think that's kind of the experience of everyone here, even the locals, um, mm-hmm. that just when you think you understand, um, you're surprised right? <laughs> and you have to, uh, really think through culturally how to navigate different situations. So, um, everybody gives each other a lot of leeway and understanding. Um, and in the church, we of course give each other a lot of grace, uh, in navigating, Mm-hmm. Uh, cross-cultural relationships um, everywhere from school to church to shopping to the doctor's office um, everywhere we're always trying to adjust yeah is English a predominant language there 
Yeah, yeah. English is the predominant language in Arabic. Is that home for forever, mm-hmm. or do you think you would come back mm-hmm. to the U.S. in the future? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. Uh, we don't have any plans to move. Yeah. Um, so, um, however long the Lord would have us here, we are very happy um, mm-hmm. to to stay here and, and keep serving. Um, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so for the kids, they um, they feel very comfortable in um, it's different home. places. Yeah. yeah, they feel very comfortable here. They feel comfortable traveling, um, finding out new places, new people how things work, new foods. They really enjoy uh, those things. So I'm, I'm very happy that they have that kind of experience under their belt of, yeah. um, of adjusting, constantly adjusting, not making assumptions about people, um, learning about individuals, learning about people corporately. Uh, and that's just part of their, that's mm-hmm. part of their everyday. So yeah. um, I love that. Yeah. That's it's really so cool. Neat. That is unique. Yeah. The food thing is, that's, that's amazing. My daughters are, well, they're really <laughs> little, so like, they'll get there someday, but they're just so, so picky. Um, so mm. that sounds like a dream, but, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so with your work story and, and kind of how you, you're a writer, obviously an author, have you always been a writer? Did you always know you wanted to be a writer or what was that sort of a calling your vocation that came to you? early in life or did that just develop? Can you kind of talk about that? Sure. Um, I think my mom would say it's a gifting that I've had since I was a kid. Um, I've, uh, I've always written, um, journals, um, notes, letters. I love to read. Uh Um, that was one of my bigger hobbies. Um, all growing up was reading and writing. Um, And then when I got to university, uh, I went to study hospitality management uh, on a scholarship because uh, that was a job I had in high school and um, was really fascinating to me and uh, went in there. And then um, then I became a Christian. Mm. (laughs) So uh, that everything changed and I reevaluated everything. Um, The reasons I was making, the choices I was making, um, all the way down to my education choices. And so... Um, I switched my major and I remember sitting in the academic counselor's office and her saying, don't quit college, um, start taking classes that you'll get great grades in, uh, mm-hmm. so you can choose a major and transfer with into that major with a very good GPA. Mm-hmm. So I'd always had excellent grades in English without trying very hard. And so I signed up for all English classes and, um, ended up really loving it. And then finished my undergrad with a technical writing degree and um, then started doing some master's studies in linguistics and um, went to seminary, did an education degree at seminary and took some writing classes along the way. So um, all of that was not with an intent to write books or a book or even an article, but just, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it and wanted to create resources that God would use to build up his church in whatever fashion that looked like. I knew we were going overseas somewhere. Um, so there was all kinds of questions about where to go, what to do. And so we knew we were going overseas, just didn't know what that would look Mm -hmm. like and, um, and what my role would be in all of that specifically. Uh, so I didn't have a 
a plan for writing. Um, but when we got here, I did begin writing for myself, um, just for my own processing and and meditation on God's word. And then a dear friend encouraged me to start writing for others also. So she started a blog mm-hmm. um, and uh, recruited me. And then I recruited some others and we started writing about the gospel and how it intersects with everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, uh, my husband also got on board with really pushing me to write more for a broader audience and uh, to try to submit a book proposal. So um, I relented and wrote a book proposal and then, uh, it got, he sent it around and, um, that ended up being, uh, my first book glimpses of grace. And then, uh, after that, I just kept writing. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that you had so many people recognizing a gift in you and, and calling that out and seeing it and then kind of pushing you towards it, even when you didn't want to necessarily pursue right. that on your own. That's really neat. Right. Right. I'm lazy. <laughs> well, I doubt that, but I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pursue, uh, extra work, um, on my own at all ever. <laughs> <laughs> so praise God for community. Yeah. Wow. That's funny. Cause I think, yeah, it's just, it's so crazy how we can be so different. Cause I'm like the opposite. Like I would pursue more work than I should. And I need community to bring mm. me back from it. Come back, come yes. back. <laughs> and going, are you doing too much? I think, you know, what our old small group leader used to say, okay, how much are you doing? What are you, like, how much is on your plate right now? You need to just right. make sure you're not doing too much. Right. So that's funny. Right. They're all good things. Right. I know. I can't say no to anything. Okay. So you just mentioned something that I want to kind of press into a little bit. You said, um, you know, you, you started writing with these friends about how the gospel intersects with everyday life. So. Mm-hmm kind of taking that to the platform or the, the uh, sector of life that is our work. I have this perception, maybe this is not true, but I have this perception that motherhood and work are in opposition to each other in, in culture. Like those two things are pitted against each other. And I'm curious to know from your point of view, is there a truer, more holistic way to look at our work in light of our motherhood and in light of the gospel? That's a great question. Um, I don't think that motherhood is necessarily in conflict with work. Um, I think the conflict comes when we misunderstand what God has given us. Mm-hmm. Um Every person is unique, and God has given each of us unique responsibilities and um, unique gifts and weaknesses mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and circumstances in different seasons of life, even. So, um, in one season of life, a, a woman may find that weaving together her work um, with her motherhood is very easy. Um, in another season, it might be exceptionally difficult and, um, and you need different resources and a different strategy to, to accomplish all the things that God calls you to accomplish and even let some things go undone. Mm -hmm. The grace to do that as well. So, um, it's mind boggling thinking of all of the different circumstances uh, that people have, um, in our church, for example, 
there are many, many people who have come to this country for work, um, leaving their children behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does a mom who looks at her kid and says, I want you to have an education. I want you to have clothes and food in order for me to do that and provide, um, mommy and daddy are going to have to work somewhere else because our country doesn't have jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how, how does the gospel, uh, speak into those situations, um, and give those parents wisdom to raise their children in the fear of the Lord? And provide for them, um, for their practical needs. So that, uh, that situation in which, um, a woman working in that fashion isn't really a choice, Mm -hmm. um, but a necessity, um, we need to have compassion and wisdom and understanding that God is, God is ordering all of these circumstances in different places all over the world, gifting and resourcing his body, giving faith for people to persevere in these situations. Um, so we dare not squabble over, um, what's best quote unquote and judge and condemn others, Mm. uh, for the choices that they are consciously making before God himself. So that's one caveat I always give when we talk about women and work. Yeah. Well, it's, I hadn't um, honestly even thought of that because it's not my experience, but it's so true that, I mean, gosh, like, you know, we, we have so many quote unquote problems in the U S that right. I think we fail to <laughs> even think about what, you know, how blessed we are to even have that problem. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. and it's a luxury to be able to say, this is a real problem, you know, in well, what that looks like in another country is just, yeah, like you said, mind-blowing. And um, the compassion and wisdom and understanding that you just mentioned are, of course, key. I mean, how how do you, how can we do that? I mean, in light of, you know, even the privileges mm-hmm. we have as Americans and um, and how, how what would you say to encourage women in that? Because I think that's maybe a part of the conversation we miss a lot of times. Like, everyone is so concerned with, like you just said, what is best? Like, well, what's the best way to do this? That mm-hmm. we leave out that second piece of, of the compassion and wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, uh, it, it helps to remember your corporate identity as a church, um, and your union with Christ being the reason for that. Um, so as Christians, we are united to Christ by, by faith. Um, and that means that my Christian sister is also just as closely united to Jesus as I am. And he's placed us together in a body and not just the Christians who are from my culture or my neighborhood, but all over the world, Mm -hmm. um, that we are the corporate global body of, of Jesus and that we corporately are to be seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he gives everything we need to do that, which he's called us to do. So, um, taking an honest look at stewardship as an individual, um, to what's best that, that honest look of stewardship means that you take into consideration the global body. Um, so that's, I mean, one lens to look through. Mm-hmm. 
that I've found to be particularly helpful is remembering you're part of such a big picture and such a big goal of seeing God's kingdom and his will done on earth as it is done in heaven. Um, helps recenter everything yeah. and give everything purpose. Well, it takes the takes the focus and the spotlight off of us, which is mm-hmm. often where you start to get into the anxiety oh, yeah. around those conversations and, and those decisions yeah. that either you are making or someone else is making. It's because we're making ourselves too large in the picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Western culture will only help you do that because the question they want you to answer is what makes you happy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what fulfills you? What do you like to do? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So shifting, transitioning to talking about our motherhood, um, you say in the, in your book, missional motherhood, um, that mothering is not just a calling for women who have biological or adopted children, but it's a calling for all women. Um, and I think that concept kind of, um, branches out of what you were just talking about with us being united to Christ as, as the global body of the church. And this idea of like taking that calling of motherhood and mothering to a global level and not just an individual. Can you kind of talk about more what, what you say in the book around those things? Right, right. In the book, I explain, um, starting all the way back from creation to, the nurturing gifts and capacity unique to women that God designed in women um, and how uh, as God's image bearers, our calling vocation even is to spread the knowledge of God throughout the face of the earth, um, specifically through that creation mandate, multiply, be fruitful, subdue creation, rule over it. And all of this is done in God's name for his sake and his glory. Um, this ability is hindered by the fall and our sin. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not able to perfectly carry that out anymore. Um, specifically women, um, in terms of multiplying, um, we, we all have fertility issues Mm -hmm. and pain complicating our pregnancies and, um, mothering Mm -hmm. all of these things are an effect of our sin and the fall. Um, and all of it reconciled in Jesus who as the last Adam stands up on the mountain and gives this great commission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that he commanded, baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. And that he's with us always, even at the end of the age in this endeavor. So now, um, and, and before that, it wasn't just the point to make babies, um, but it's to make disciples, worshipers of Jesus. Um, and everything we need in order to do that has been given to us through Jesus. So women who are not able to physically procreate indeed are called to spiritually mother women mm-hmm. in the body of Christ, spiritually mother children to, to be spiritual mothers. Um, uh, there, there isn't uh, a limit to that. Uh, now that we have the spirit and his help and aid um, and the massive call, um, to build one another up. So there's, there's so much to be done, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much mothering, nurturing work to be done. Um, especially when we scale back and look at step back and look at the the global 
uh, body of Christ. So every woman called to mothering, nurturing work uh, in the church. Yeah, that's beautiful. And brings us just so much more um, deep into the truth of what Jesus meant when he gave us that commission and that mandate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think if you don't understand the fullness of that, like you just explained it, it could feel really um, empty to someone who may not be able to physically have children or just doesn't have their own children. Um, right. But yeah, that's, that's right. beautiful. Right. One of my favorite things about um, our church that I have a lot of favorite things, but I love that um, others talk to my kids about the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love seeing that. I love that, um, that there are, we have a Sunday school ish program, but it's on Fridays cause we meet Fridays. So we call it Friday school, <laughs> Redeemer kids, um, the Redeemer kids, teachers, women who did not birth my babies, mm-hmm. but they are nurturing them with real spiritual food and helping them grow up. There are women who come um, to my house and hang out with me and they hang out with my kids and they speak of spiritual things and build up my kids in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, random happenstance occasions, like standing around at a church potluck. I see people sharing their testimony with my kids. Mm. Um, I love that these women, um, know that they are to be nurturing, um, others in the gospel. They nurture one another. They nurture my kids. Please come nurture my kids in the gospel. Um, the first few times we uh, have a new babysitter, I, I make sure I tell her like explicitly, please, please, if you have an opportunity, share your testimony with my kids mm. uh, and talk about that. I would love for them to hear, um, how you became one with Christ. Wow. That is so and, cool. Uh, what a good idea. Yeah. And just reminding them, even some people culturally just feel like they need explicit permission to do that. So I tell them, yes, no, please. I want you to introduce these topics and talk about these things. It's not just me and Dave who are doing it. This whole church has to help us yeah. uh, raise up our kids. So um, that's one practical way mm-hmm. um, that you can help, um, let's say, empower others mm-hmm. if they feel sheepish or shy or aren't so sure. Um how to approach that with your own kids. But yeah, well, and I mean, it just, it brings back to mind and and I'm sure that as, as kids get older, you don't forget this as much, but that you have a bunch of little non-believers in your house, you know? And (laughs) I mean, when mine are three and a half and almost two, so I'm more in, you know, just keep you alive, keep you from falling off the couch, keep you from swallowing quarters, you know, that sort of a thing. (laughs) So I think the the whole, you know, the discipleship piece is it's coming about, especially for the older one. And we're talking a lot about discipline and a lot about, Mm -hmm. you know, why we obey mom and dad and, you know, those types of things that are just foundational. But, um, you know, remembering that, like you said, we are not the only ones who should be discipling our children, that, that truly that is a a group effort and a communal effort. And Mm -hmm. when you are in a body like, like that in a church community, that's, um, that's a huge perk. (laughs) You're getting so many other people to be that example because yeah, it's, it's not a guarantee that, you know, as we know, just because you're born to a pastor that you're going to be a believer. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 And then even looking sideways to other women uh, in the church, it helps remind you that you are all in one body 
which if you want to use the team metaphor, you were all on the same team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's no competition or envy or comparison or sideways glancing and judging um, that should be occurring. We should all be endeavoring toward that one goal of seeking first his kingdom and, uh, and helping each other along the way. Yeah. Um, so kind of coming from that, that topic, um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about from your book was where you talk about our homes. And, um, this is something that really stands out to me because I tend to be a, um, a homebody and I love to just be home and, like comfortable and my home is my refuge, but you actually say in the book, our home is not our refuge. God is our refuge. (laughs) And that just really, you know, pierced, pierced me in a good way, but was just like, Oh man, like, shoot, I really want my home to be my refuge. I want to make it, it. yeah, I want to make it my comfortable place that I keep all for myself. And, um, but no, you know what I mean? Like it just, it's, uh, it's a really good truth that is, that's particularly hard for me, I think, to not just be selfish and feel like, um, some sense of ownership over my level of comfort and ease and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and kids do a lot for that. So that's helpful. And that's God's gift to me. Um, it does. <laughs> but can you kind of talk about that and what yeah. you, I, I'm not even really explaining it, but you say, you know, no, you, you describe are, yeah. homes as, um, one thing you say is a network of foxholes hosting kingdom mm-hmm. advances, which I just love. I think that's so great. Yeah. Um, that's yes, that's great. Um, the, a, a, a fascinating cultural remembrance um, about this God is our refuge is you think back to the context in which that's written um, multiple times. God is a refuge. God is a refuge, a help. God is our refuge. Um, he, you, the people um, in ancient times and even now, many, many people groups are still like this. They're transient. Um, and they do not have permanent dwellings that have been around for forever. They're stable and safe and, um, a given. So, uh, if you think of Bedouin people, there are Bedouin people groups in the world today who have tents with tent pegs and they pick them up and they move them and they go to where they need to go to keep their livelihood sustained, their flocks. Um, ancient Israel was, um, a Bedouin people for a very long time. Then God brought them into the land and they were uh, in process, um, albeit imperfectly of, of setting up, um, their homes there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was all given to them, of course, by God. And they were dependent on him for everything, including safety from the enemies that surrounded them. Um, and then exiles. Mm-hmm. So people in exile. And now we look at new Testament metaphors for, um, what type of people we are. And we see that we're sojourners and strangers and exiles, um, here in the world, uh, now that the, the new creation is broken in and waiting for that day when everything is set up and permanent, mm-hmm. uh, in this, in this new creation state. So, um, that, that perspective, um, helps shed light on the idea that God is a, is a refuge um, to not bank any of your hope on something that will pass away mm-hmm. or can be taken from you yeah. or can be flooded or burned in a fire or stolen or 
you know, yeah. taken back by the bank. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, any, anything besides God who cannot be assailed, he cannot be threatened. He cannot be changed. Um, he's the refuge. And so when your refuge is in him, you could be a refugee in a tent in Syria um, and be just as at peace um, and content and feel just as safe because you're in Christ mm-hmm. um, as you would in, in this home that you've had from your parents passed down to you and it's been yours. You're going to give it to your kids and it's set up just the way you love it. And all the pieces remind you of something heartwarming <laughs> um, and, and you feel great. Mm-hmm. You can have that kind of peace that surpasses understanding as a homeless person because your refuge is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And I, that's, like I said, very convicting to me about just, you know, how I think about my home and, um, when it feels inconvenient, because it often does, you know, to really actually live in community the way that we're supposed to and the way that mm-hmm. Jesus calls us into. And, and I think when I say supposed to, I think that sounds wrong, but the, like he's actually inviting us into the bigger story that you're talking about. It's not about, you have to have so many events in your home or you have to hold, host a small group Mm. or you, whatever, Mm -hmm. have a dinner every Friday night with a new couple from your neighborhood. I mean, just all the things that kind of, we make our to do's. I think that's different than what you're talking about. I mean, there's a, there's a different way of approaching that. Mm-hmm. It's per- yeah, and it's perspective. It's a different perspective because it's still all the same stuff, yeah. but you see that it's God's from Him to Him for Him through Him, yeah. <laughs> and however He wants to to use those things, He is welcome to do that. Um, there's a, a new book, brand new book uh, by Rosaria Butterfield called "The Gospel Comes with a House Key." Mm. I highly recommend this book. Um, in it, she unpacks this idea that God doesn't get the address wrong. Um, and that he's given you your home to be that foxhole and network of foxholes for the advance of his kingdom. And her stories and practical helps are, um, outstanding, just simply outstanding for shoring up that perspective of hospitality and, um, giving you creative ideas for how that could work in your own life too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I've seen some of her videos and I love them. So I will definitely check that out. Um, so what would you say to a lot of the listeners of this podcast are, you know, young or kind of early stage moms that are still in the, you know, the tiring, um, just the hard work years. And and I know all the years are probably like just as hard of work, just different, but like maybe the physically, um, exhausting years in some ways. And what would you say to the mom who is with her kids at home doing that work uh, that feels like the mundane, um, some days, I mean, what would be your encouragement to that mom? Yeah. Um, I'd say, Oh, um, that it's easy to think that you, um, should be able to do all the things in your mind. Uh, the ideal, you should be able to meet this ideal image in your mind. Um, a lot of the conflict I see in, in young or new moms is that, um, 
they're conflicted with what's actually happening in their living rooms with what they had hoped. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether that's on a day-to-day basis or even just a big picture, I thought my children would be different. I thought my marriage would be different. I thought motherhood would feel different. I thought um, all of these things, um, the the conflict in their minds um, plays out and it turns into bitterness and um, anxiety. Yeah. Uh, living with this low grade sense of anxiety and guilt that this is not what it should be. And I should do this. And, and these are all good things Mm -hmm. and I'm not doing them. And that governs their perspective. So, um, I try to encourage them to remember that God is one. Uh, he is triune and he is one. There's no disunity in the eternal council of the Godhead. So he's ordained, designed, called, equipped, strengthened you, holds you accountable and rewards you. And he is not in conflict with himself. God um, has ordained those kids, this marriage, that home, this financial situation and budget, um, these challenges, your weaknesses and your strengths. And, um, and he expects you to depend on him for everything you need. Mm. Um, that his, his grace is sufficient for you and he will give you what you need to persevere in your faith through all of that, um, colic, uh, disability, pain, uh, overwhelming needs from others, uh, busy work. Um, all of these circumstances are strategic in God's display of his power in your weakness. Um, he's not testing you to see if you can accomplish all of it. Um, he is inviting you to depend on him for everything, to wake up every day and say, I cannot do this. Mm -hmm. God, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. Give me grace for this five minutes. Mm -hmm. And then five minutes later, I need some more grace, Jesus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, this is, this is all you, it's for you, it's through you, it's from you. So you're going to be the one who, who supplies everything I need for this and you get all the glory. Mm. So to remember, uh, remember that, that God is not taunting them with hard circumstances. He's not testing them to see how super mommy they are. <laughs> um, he's inviting them to depend on him for everything. That's awesome. I love everything you just said. And my guess is that it would probably be the exact same thing you would say to the mom who is working. Um, in some capacity, (laughs) I won't even ask you because I I mean, I work, um, part-time just from my home, um, and have a couple businesses, but everything you said just resonated Mm -hmm. with me perfectly. So I don't think that the advice would change. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) What, um, if you don't mind, what, what, what has God been teaching you in this season of your life where you're at? Like what lessons or truths have just been you know, your food, your spiritual food in this, in the season where you're at with your family, with your work, Ooh. with your writing. Yeah. Um, that is a great question. Thank you for asking. Um, I've been thinking about the future grace that is ours in Christ and how it's a future. Um, I tend to play out different scenarios in my mind of, okay, we'll do this, but then this could happen. So I need to plan for that. And I want to prepare for that. Um, and sometimes that is helpful and it's exactly at the measure that it's needed. And sometimes it goes overboard mm-hmm. and spins me into worrying about something like a rocking chair going back and forth, not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so remembering that the grace is future. 
um, and it will be there hmm. when I need yeah. it, um, has been so helpful for me. Um, a, a couple of years ago, we hosted a, a couple in our home um, as they were traveling through here, and they had, I think at the time, 10 or 11 kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I asked her, I said, you know, everybody probably asked you this and they all want to take pictures of your pantry. And I kind of do too, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I want to know, how do you do this? Yeah. And, and she said, you have grace for what it is, um, that God's given you. Mm. He won't leave you lacking. So I, she said, Gloria, I look at your life and I think I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I can't because he hasn't given it to me, yeah. but um, God gives you grace for whatever it is that he's given you. And sometimes that doesn't look like accomplishing things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dang it. Uh, which was, I know so good. It was such a good word. I've been thinking about the future aspect of, of the grace of God. Um, and that's been really helpful as I think through short term, um, circumstances around here and long-term ideas and hopes for the church mm-hmm. that, um, well, if these circumstances arise, it's from God's hand, which means the grace is also from his hand to bear up under it, persevere in our faith and give him glory. Um, even if it means pain and suffering or joy and triumph. Yeah. So that's been, that's what I'm hanging on. Yeah. That's awesome. And, um, it brought to mind that like trite little saying, if he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. <laughs> but it's, the same oh, I thing. Like that. I hadn't heard that. Okay, I'm going to move to the last three questions that I ask every guest. The first one is, what is your favorite or maybe like secret life hack tip for moms that you that every mom needs to know? What's it could be? It could be hmm. organizing or how you pack your school lunches or efficiency or just anything like that. I don't know if you have any sort of um, rhythms yeah. that really work for your family. No, you know, something that really has blessed me for the past decade, um, 11 years now, my child is 11. The past 11 years of mothering is a gift I got at the first baby shower for my first baby. And it was a headlamp, (laughs) um, just a a battery operated headlamp. You, you know, I don't know how much it costs in the U S but they're, they're not expensive. And, um, when I got it, I was like, that's weird. (laughs) And then during the nighttime parenting, hours, I realized, Oh, this is so helpful. Um, just put on this little headlamp. It's got a red light on it and it's dim and I can see the baby. I know what I'm doing. Um, and then, um, so I always try to give a headlamp to new moms and they're like, what's so funny, (laughs) (laughs) but, but what has so helped me with this headlamp idea is that I can still read. Um, uh, we'd lived in apartments until about a month ago. We've lived in apartments for for years. Mm-hmm. And, um, in community like that, you, you get up and you're early and you don't want to wake other people up in the home. So you leave the lights off. Right. Well, that was really, that's challenging to read with the lights off, but if you have a headlamp, Hey, <laughs> that's amazing. you can read. It's genius. Um, never even, never occurred it, to me. It it's, it's helped me practically. It's helped my spiritual life immensely just to have no excuses to read. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a little headlamp. That's, that's amazing. The only one in our house who wears those is my husband when he's like going outside to fix something in the dark, which 
you wouldn't think that happens all that much, but for some reason, I feel like he's wearing the headlamp like once a month. Like, I don't know. It's really fun. It's super it, fun. It makes you feel really legit. Like I've, I've got a yeah, job yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. I can see in the dark. Yeah. I can basically do anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's awesome. I, that you are totally the first person to give that tip. So there you go. Do it. Do it. Make it, make it the new baby shower present. That's, Headlamp and a yeah, journal. That's awesome. <laughs> They're going to be like, this parenting thing is weirder than I thought. That's so weird. I wanted diapers. Yes. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, so what do you do for fun over there in the UAE? Mm. Yeah. Um, talk to people is really fun. Um, I'm painfully extroverted. So if I find myself with, unscheduled times and, um, I do what I can to try to get out the door to go find people, mm-hmm. um, next door or, um, across the street in a coffee shop. Um, I really enjoy talking with people. Perfect. Well, then I think you're in the right career field. <laughs> yeah. Talking and writing and engaging. Talking. That would be really hard <laughs> if you weren't an extrovert. But you know what? It is I hard. mean, I'm, I guess, I don't know. I think I might be some sort of ambivert because I recharge by being, <laughs> have you heard of that? I don't know if that's real. Uh, that's, that's I, don't, a good one. I don't know if that's actually a thing or just, I wish it was a thing. Maybe it means human. Yeah, exactly. I, I do recharge by being alone, but I also really enjoy interacting with people. So I don't know. It's, yeah. it's both. Yeah. yeah. I guess I don't have to only fall into one category. We don't. Yeah. We don't. Um, okay. And then my final question for you is how do you rest? Mm, really fast. <laughs> um, Sounds very <laughs> restful. <laughs> really fast. I think, that, I mean, this is a gift. Um, and I learned it when we lived in residence halls. Um, as soon as my head hits the pillow, I'm asleep. Oh my gosh. So I, I, I rest really fast. Uh, oh, so, so you were, you were being serious. I thought you might like, you only slept a few hours. Um, no, I think I get about seven ish oh, hours okay. a night. Um, yeah. but, but when I do get to go to sleep, it's, it's fast. I'm out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, you're, you're the second person to answer that question really literally. Like usually okay. someone is like, you know, I, oh, I take a bath or go on a run or something. Bathing is wasting time. Go to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh yeah. Um, somebody, now I can't remember the last, the last guest that I talked to was like, um, oh, well I sleep. (laughs) It's like, okay. Yep. Well, that's That's good. You are actually resting. Then way to go. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, well, so you fall asleep fast. No, none of that messing around. That's a gift, though. That's perfect. A gift. Yeah, I know others who struggle. So yeah, that I I thank God for for that. Yeah, yeah, that is that's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much, Gloria. I really appreciate you sitting down and taking the time to chat with me after you got your kids to school and giving up some of those productivity hours. So I appreciate it. And I think I was really blessed by so many of the things you said and your book. And I'm just excited to share this with others. Thanks Haley. It was a joy. Thank you so much. Well, um, bless you guys in your work over there. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm inspired by your testimony and what your family is doing. And, um, I know a lot of others are too. So thank you. Well, praise God. Thanks Haley. All right. Thank you. Have a good night or actually not a night. Have a good day. You have a good night. All right. Bye. (laughs) Bye. 
Okay, well, I told you guys I was struggling to form the sentences in that interview, but I was just really encouraged and uplifted by what Gloria said, especially um, that part near the end where she talked about how God isn't testing us with hard circumstances, and he's not testing us to see if we can accomplish all of it or achieve something, but he's inviting us to depend on him for everything. And as an achiever personality, that is just music to my ears to, to hear that that isn't what God is looking for from me. He's looking for my dependence and my need, not my accomplishment. Last but not least, if you're enjoying these conversations, please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes. Let us know you're listening and how you're liking it. And don't forget also to grab the free guide to help you find your ideal business idea at HaleyWilliams.co and you can click free ebook in the top menu. Thanks so much, guys, and I will talk to you next week on Kindled.